Sons of Saturday, Virginia Tech Hoops Pod. Ed, I missed the last recording. You and Billy held it down. Um, <laughs> we're here to re- – yeah, you guys did fine. We're here to recap Virginia Tech's 80-72 to win over number 18 North Carolina. We're sitting here recording Sunday night. Ed, this was a huge dub. Virginia Tech jumped out to a huge second-half lead, only to nearly choke it away, but then also pull away in the final two or three minutes of the basketball game. Really competitive game for most of the second half. Um, you knew Carolina was going to make their run. They did. I was really impressed with how the Hokies responded. Really impressed with Justin Mutz. Uh, this team's good, Ed. Like, <laughs> Tech's good. This is a really good team. Yeah, me and Billy had to had to jump the gun and record the other night after Georgia Amor's triple double. But uh, yeah, man, I I, I kind of went into this game uh, trying to reserve judgment. My thought was I'm not going to get too high or too low on the Virginia Tech team in 2022 based off of how this North Carolina game goes. Right. Um, obviously, North Carolina was reeling coming into it. They've they've lost three straight coming into tonight. Now they've lost four straight, which is crazy considering they came into this year as the consensus number one team in the country with all that yep. talent that they had coming back. Um, so I, I was trying to reserve judgment, but I really do think that Mike Young's comments post Minnesota, where he said, we really just need to get back into the gym and focus on us and take a couple days and focus on what we need, what we need to do and what we can control. I think that paid dividends tonight in a huge way. You know, he said that he was going to give the guys off a day and then they were going to do two days of, just Virginia Tech basketball, uh, no North Carolina scout, none of that kind of thing. Just worry about their team and what they need to do better. And you saw that tonight. The back cutting was phenomenal. Um, the offense as a whole was really, really good. Assists, everything was crisp. Uh, it was the stuff that we've come to expect from a Mike Young offense and the way he coaches basketball and the guys he has on this team. Uh, Justin Mutz was phenomenal. Hunter Couture was a calming force, very steady offensively, played phenomenal defense as always. It was just, it was a, uh, it was a breath of fresh air from a period in time where I think Virginia Tech fans and myself included um, were starting to get a little concerned. Even though we were winning games, it was, it was, it was shaky there. Um, you know, you lose that Charleston game to a good Charleston team. Nothing, not going to take anything away from them. But then you struggle against Charleston Southern, and then you're able to beat Minnesota, but maybe not quite as convincingly. It just didn't look pretty. And I think that those two or three days uh, focusing on themselves paid huge dividends tonight with a phenomenal win against a North Carolina team that even without Armando Baycott, which was a surprise, nobody knew that he wasn't going to play coming tonight. He uh, he dressed and he warmed up, but then just wasn't able to give it a go. Um, even with him out, I was really impressed with how Virginia Tech played, uh, defending guys like, you know, Leaky Black and Pete Nance and RJ Davis and Caleb Love. You know, they've still got guns. So, this is no small feat. This is a really good win. I thought the Hokies looked more like themselves, and I'm really excited about this win and what it means moving forward. Hokies, 39 rebounds. Carolina, 25 rebounds. That was a huge advantage for Virginia Absolutely. Tech. Obviously, Armando Baycott not playing has a lot to do with that. But with that being said, you can't take anything away from Virginia Tech. Uh, Mike Young said, and I was listening uh, to his interview on the radio um, after the game, he mentioned that, you know, they were preparing for Baycott. They're preparing for Baycott. They, they're, you know, they, they got their defense set up to try to contain Baycott. And then all of a sudden he's not playing. And it took them a while uh, to really get their feet underneath them, even though they looked pretty good in the first half. And Mike Young thought they defended great in the first half, didn't defend quite as well in the second half. And I think that was pretty clear from just watching the game, right? 
Um, but he mentioned that he thought that, you know, the players did a great job adjusting on the fly, and he's really encouraged by their ability to do that against a really, really good opponent. Um, Mike Young thinks that this Carolina team is still going to end up being really, really good. I tend to agree. Like, they'll figure it out. they got too many veterans. I think they call it get healthy. They'll be fine. It's surprising to see them sitting at five and four. It's surprising to see them, you know, losing four games against power conference opponents. It's surprising to see them lose four straight games, period, um, with a team that, you know, we were wondering if they would lose more than five or six games the entire year. They already have like four of them. So it is a little bit surprising. Um, but this Virginia Tech team looked really good. Ed, you mentioned the the whole fundamentals, kind of getting back, focusing, you know, focus on us, right? What Mike Young said coming out of the Minnesota game, it was really apparent in this game. Obviously, Justin Mutz went off. We'll talk about him more in a second. But the offense as a whole was really crisp. Um, Tech took really good care of the basketball in this game. Actually, both teams did. Um, Carolina and Virginia Tech had only 10 turnovers apiece. So um, it was a low turnover game as far as college hoops games go. Um, Virginia Tech, I thought, defended really well in the first half. Um, Caleb Love drew two early fouls in this game. He was out of the game before the first media timeout. thought that was pretty significant. R.J. Davis picked up two fouls with, I, I think it was 10 or 11 minutes to go um, in the first half. They had to throw Caleb Love back out there. It was just pretty clear that Hubert Davis, you know, without Baycott on the, on the floor, knew that he had to have either Davis or Love out there at all times to really make sure that that the offense was settled down and they had kind of the veteran presence in the backcourt because with no Baycott on the floor, you're spread thin anyway, you know, just given how this rotation looks to begin with. Um, but I think the, the early foul trouble by Carolina really put them in a bind, and that was my big takeaway from the first half of this game. I thought Tech was able to kind of extend their lead um, get out in front a little bit, obviously led by 10 at halftime. I thought that was pretty significant. I think a big reason why is because they were able to get Carolina's key players in foul trouble early in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought it was it was a pretty foul-dominant game in general. There were six mm -hmm. total fouls in the first four minutes of this game, three from each team, a couple charges. Uh, you talked about Caleb Love. But then, you know, throughout the game and into the second half, it started to impact Virginia Tech with Darius Maddox with four, Sean Padula with four. Um, guys having to you know take a seat and you know when you're a veteran laden team and you rely that heavily on your veteran backcourt the way Carolina does that makes it really difficult especially like you said without Armando Baycott because it's not like Leaky Black's going to carry you offensively uh, they really needed Caleb Love and RJ Davis to go crazy tonight and Virginia Tech did a relatively good job of keeping those two in check now they both finished with 18 which is a very solid night in college basketball but once Virginia Tech recognized that Baycott wasn't going to be in this game, keeping Caleb Love to 18 points, which is below his season average of 19, was a really, really important thing in this game. And we knew that would be coming in. You know, there's guys like Caleb Love and Armando Baycott who are going to get theirs. Um, and they were the Hokies did a great job of keeping the rest of the team for Carolina in check. And we're able to stay in this game as a result. And, you know, you touched on Justin Mutz, man. Um, I've been imploring on this podcast. So basically imploring to myself that Justin Mutz be more aggressive offensively because when he gets the ball in a one-on-one -on -one situation, there are very few people in this country who can guard him. He, the game is so slow for him right now, man. Like I'm watching him play and he looks like a guy playing at the YMCA. He looks like a guy who just hopped out of the NCAA tournament and went down to the local YMCA and the game just comes so easy to him right now. So I love that the Virginia Tech was very um, 
you know, it, it was very important to them offensively to get Justin Mutz the ball in one-on-one situations where he could just go to work. His ability to use leverage, his ability to use his footwork, and his, his honestly, it's incredible. His ability to finish around the rim with both hands, reverse, you know, however you want to do it. Justin Mutz around the rim is tough to beat. And like I talked about his leverage and his footwork, he can get to his spot and he's able to finish kind of at will. So it was awesome to see them make that really, really like a piece of emphasis offensively tonight to get him the ball in his spots against Pete Nance or against Tyler Nickel and let Justin much just go to work and be that veteran player that he is. And he was everything and more tonight, 27 and 11, 38 minutes. The guy barely got a water break and was just, I mean, we wouldn't win this game without Justin Mutz. I, I mean, I, I, that was for my money. That was the best game I've seen Justin Mutz play in college. Uh, I know he's had a triple double sprinkled in there. You know he's had some awesome moments, but that was that was a that was a staple Justin Mutz moment for me, and uh, I'm really happy for him. I thought he I thought he played phenomenal. We won the game because of it. I mean, it's hard to dispute 27 points, 11 rebounds on 12 of 16 shooting against North Carolina. That's pretty. It was, tough. I mean, it, it was he was phenomenal, man. Like it was to the point where they were backing off of him and daring him to shoot, and he drilled a three. Like he was just right. Every, he just looked so in control of everything on both ends of the floor. And I, I think he's had that vibe about him all, all throughout this season so far. And some nights maybe it comes off as like lackadaisical, but it's not. I really just think the game is just so slow for him right now. Uh, I think his offseason going through the pre-draft process, playing against those type of people all summer long has really allowed the game to slow down even more than it already was for him. Uh, so I look, for, I look for Virginia Tech moving forward to lean more on Justin Mutz as a go-get-a-bucket type of guy because his touch around the rim and his ability to use his footwork and leverage uh, to get to spots and make shots as, is really special, and I think we will lean on it more going forward. I want to switch over to talk about the perimeter defense a little bit because yeah, Carolina was 3 of 17 from 3. And I, I thought, you know, they missed a few open looks, but I thought Virginia Tech did a great job in this game of really getting in the face of Carolina shooters. Um, it it was it was not easy for for Carolina from behind the three point line in this basketball game, and I really do think a lot of it had to do with the way Virginia Tech defended, especially in the first half of this game. Yeah, and you know, I'm looking at the box score, right? So. Virginia Tech held North Carolina to three of 17 from three. That's 17.6%. North Carolina is not a team that is known for knocking down three-point shots, but they have elite guard play in Davis and Love. So Caleb Love was two of five from three. That's about right. You know, that's where you'd expect a guy like Caleb Love to be from three. He shot 50% from the from the field with two of five from three. That's a, that's a Caleb Love night. Where I want to look to after Caleb Love is guys off the bench for them, 0 of 3 from 3. Leaky Black, 0 of 1. Puff Johnson, 0 of 1. Pete Nance, 1 of 3. You'll live with guys like Leaky Black, Puff Johnson, and Pete Nance shooting threes. You'll live with that all day long. And Virginia Tech, I think, did a really good job of taking away what the individual players on North Carolina wanted as their primary offensive uh, looks. And allowing guys like Leaky Black to shoot threes or Leaky Black to shoot, you know, 16-footers. That was a common theme throughout the night. Virginia Tech did a really good job of taking away what North Carolina wanted as their primary offensive look and forcing them into shots they didn't want. Now, 
is North Carolina going to shoot 17% from the year? From three for the year? No, they're not going to do that. And I'll point to R.J. Davis being 0 of 4 from, from distance as to why they won't do that. R.J. Davis won't shoot 0 of 4 every night. But in general, I thought the Hokies did a really good job of taking away the primary look that North Carolina wanted to get to on any given off- offensive possession. And it resulted in guys like Leaky Black and Puff Johnson and Pete Nance shooting threes. Uh, and I think it was huge for Virginia Tech down the stretch because, you know, North Carolina makes three threes, Virginia Tech makes seven. There's a difference in the game right there. All right. We got we got to go back to the backcourt conversation again real fast because Virginia Tech's backcourt did not shoot the ball particularly well in this game. Padula had an off night shooting. Now, he hit the biggest shot of the game coming down to hit oh, that three with – what two minutes left? That it, shot. He got down that to three. It was a nightmare. Yeah, I mean he he pulls up, he pulls up with seventeen on the shot clock. Yeah. Um, Carolina is. I, I think at that point the lead was down to three. I believe two or three. Yeah. And that was. Um, I would say questionable shot selection. Just given. Oh, I was dude. That's that's one where um, that's one where you miss it, and Mike Young is on you. But, you know, Mike Young talked about it a little bit where Sean Padula, you know, has earned the right to shoot those kind of shots. Yeah. And I, when he shot it, I was like, no, 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 no. Yes. That's one of those kind right. of moments. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he iced the game there for, for all intents and purposes. It was it was a close game. You're dead on, dude. It was 17 on the clock, and I'm screaming, kill time. And he's yeah. yeah he stood there. You, you kind of thought about it for a second, and then he let it fly and drilled it. That was – that was – uh. That was ballsy, Sean Padula. I mean, <laughs> Padula was Padula was four of thirteen from the field at that point. Oh, of four from three, and he's pulling up with seventeen seconds on the shot clock after he hasn't made anything really the entire game. And I'm like, oh my god, are we really going to do this? But then Mike Young said after the game, he was like, I empower these good players on my team to be comfortable shooting that shot. He said on the radio after the game in his interview, he said, I don't want these players to be coming up to campus and playing for me. And thinking in the middle of the game, is he going to be mad? He being Mike Young, is he going to be mad that I just took a jump shot, an open jump shot that I think I can make? And I mean, that's a testament to Mike Young basketball teams, right? They shoot a million threes, they make a bunch of them. He's got shooters everywhere. And a big reason why people love playing for him is because it's a wide open offense. You can kind of do what you want within reason, right? And that Sean Padula shot is case in point. Like, is it the smartest move to have a three point game with? a minute and a half to play and be pulling up from the left wing and shooting with 17 on the shot clock. No, probably not. Especially with the way Carolina was pushing and making that run towards the end of the game. That was a huge shot by Padula though. And to kind of take it back, like to the 1000 foot view, Padula didn't shoot it well in this game. Maddox played 37 minutes, had two points on one of six shooting. Uh, But MJ Collins comes off the bench has a huge game on both ends of the floor. I know if you look at the stat sheet, you didn't watch the game, right? If you're just looking at the box, you're like, he had eight points. He had eight rebounds. Like, what is there What is there to see there? His defense was good. He was all over the floor. Um, his eight points were huge. His rebounds were bigger. Um, he makes two crucial free throws on the stretch as well. Um, he had a huge night. And this is a kid that's going to keep progressing, keep progressing, keep progressing. But every time he goes out there and plays, Ed, I'm more and more impressed with what I'm seeing out of MJ Collins. Dude, I'm I'm if if the MJ Collins fan club is one person, it's me. 
Um, I'm all about MJ Collins, dude. That kid has so much swag, and he's he's kind of shown it in glimpses, and then tonight it, it, it hit full force. Um, his eight points were huge. Drilled a ginormous three right in front of Virginia Tech's bench. Um, the dunk was ridiculous. He's had a couple of those type of dunks now this year where he shows off that. I didn't, even talk, I didn't even talk about that. I've talked. I've run, yeah. run my mouth down for like 15 seconds. I didn't even talk about that crazy dunk in the first half. That dunk was ridiculous. And that's, you know, he's got a couple of those now on the resume. Um, that kid's going to be really special. And Mike Young talked about it post game. He, he's going to be really special. And um, his shine will only shine brighter the more he plays and the more reps he gets in this offense and in college basketball. But I mean, MJ Collins, pick a bigger night to have your coming out party against North Carolina right? Uh, in the castle. I mean, the kid played phenomenal. And you talked about the rebounds. You know, the points were big. The rebounds were bigger. Not just that. The type of rebounds. Five of his eight were offensive rebounds. Yep. He had more offensive rebounds than the rest of the team combined off the bench. Yeah. His athletic ability, his length. Um, it, it's it's very disruptive on defense for one, but two, it's just a different element that Padula, Couture, Maddox, through no fault of their own, can't provide. He's just more athletic. He's longer. He's rangy. Uh, he's he's aggressive. I mean, he's aggressive on defense and he's aggressive on offense. He's willing to go up and dunk on Leaky Black and then stare him down in the face. The kid has swag. I'm I'm fired up about MJ Collins, and I think you know he played 21 minutes tonight. 21 minutes is a lot of minutes, and that was largely in part due to Darius Maddox and Sean Padula and Hunter Couture all being in foul trouble. But that kid's role is not going anywhere, and those minutes aren't going anywhere. MJ Collins is here to, is here to stay, and he belongs. I mean, this is this is the rotation right here, right? I mean, we're still missing Rodney Rice. He hasn't played yet, but, like, this yeah. is, <clears throat> for all intents and purposes, this is the rotation. I think Lynn Kidd would have gotten he, – he played sparingly tonight. I think he would have gotten more run if Baycott was in. Um, Baycott both, wasn't. I think they both would have. I think Poteet would have as well. Poteet too. Yeah, Poteet too. Um, Poteet played a little bit in the first half, played like a minute in the second half, really didn't see much of him. But, yeah, this was very much a guard-laden game, right, because of how athletic North Carolina is. And when you remove Baycott from the fold, they get um, – they get objectively worse with when Baycott's not on the floor, but they get more athletic and rangy, I would say, when Baycott's not out there. So it was a Basili game, a Mutz game, Padula, Couture, Maddox, and of course MJ Collins getting 21 minutes off the bench. This was a six-man rotation tonight for Virginia Tech, and I think it was just kind of the way it played out. And I'm sure going into the game, you know, Mike Young was thinking Poteet and Kidd were going to be playing more than 10 minutes combined. In fact, I, I guarantee you he was going to play them a lot more than that, but it's just kind of how things unfolded and Virginia Tech adjusted on the fly. And I thought, you know, if, if Mutz doesn't have this 27-point, 11-rebound performance, I think Virginia Tech might lose his basketball game. I mean, flat out, this is – the guards just really struggled to put the ball in the basket. Right. I mean, Couture hit Couture hit a couple big threes in this game, too. Um, but it just felt like Tech was really grinding to score points in the second half after making it look so easy in the first half. And credit Carolina, too, because you knew they were going to make their run. And they're still a really, really good team. They're not going to be ranked right when the rankings come out tomorrow. They're not going to be ranked. They're going to fall out of the top 25. Virginia Tech might be in the top 25, by the way. They'll at least be if they're not ranked, they'll be just on the outside looking in. 
Yeah. This Carolina team, in my opinion, is not going anywhere. Like Roy Williams had a few teams um, his last couple of years um, that, you know, either didn't make the field or were struggling to kind of make it to March. And I know that, like, on the surface, Carolina's five and four. They're way worse than everybody expected them to be from a record standpoint. They have too many good players, in my opinion, to not figure it out. Like, I feel like they'll be there in March. I don't disagree. I mean, I, I think they'll be there too, but like right now they're reeling. Yes. And Virginia tech can't do anything about that other than take care of their business. And they did. And I think, you know, anytime you win a game in the ACC, it's a big deal. Anytime you win a game against Duke or Carolina, it's an even bigger deal. And I think this is a big deal. I mean, you know, I know, I know we had a couple big recruits in the building tonight um, winning in front of them. That, that doesn't hurt, right? right? So Virginia Tech was able to come out and take care of business. Um, they were given a little bit of a gift and that Baycott didn't play, but you can, can only only control what you can control. And they did that and they did it in a big way. Now to your Mutt's point, right? So Mutt's carried us, for lack of a better term, offensively. But I don't know that that is a problem because there's going to be nights where Padula carries us. There's going to be nights where Basili carries us. There's going to be nights where Darius Maddox carries us. I have no doubt that Darius Maddox is going to figure this out. He's just too talented not to. I mean, he's just flat out too talented to not be able to figure this out. And I think he will. Um, it, you know, it happens to everybody, right? You're, you're in a lull. He'll find it and he'll figure out how to get out of it offensively. So, yes, like tonight was Justin Mutz's night, but we've talked about this on the, on the pod a couple times. It's any given night with this team on the offensive end. And tonight just happened to be the ninth year senior, as Mike Young liked to call him in the postgame presser. <laughs> um, and Justin Mutz, he just he, he just took control and did what he needed to do. Um, we've talked about the perimeter defense. It was phenomenal. They were able to control and contain Love and Davis, uh, who pound for pound could be the best backcourt in the country on any given night. Uh, you know, other backcourts I think of are, you know, Baylor and Miami, but you know, Love and Davis are as good as anybody else in the country. They controlled the glass, 39-25, not something you would expect. And now a big part of that is that Baycott didn't play. But then you also have freshman MJ Collins with eight rebounds, five offensive off the bench, who helps you win that rebounding category. And then the assist-to-turnover ratio was solid. But more importantly than that, Virginia Tech played better team ball than North Carolina did tonight. Virginia Tech had 16 assists. North Carolina had six. That's a huge number, man. Like that means you're getting clean looks, right? Uh, back cuts right to the rim for wide open dunks for layups, wide open three point looks. Virginia Tech played really, really good complimentary team ball tonight, and that was a huge part of why they were able to get this win. Uh, all in all, I'm I'm pretty pleased. Uh, I I went into this one trying to be as cautious as I could be and not be reactionary either way, and uh, they they played good, man. They played really, really good ball. Those two days of practice were huge, I think. And, you know, you take care of business against Carolina. You got a good Dayton team coming into it, uh, coming into Castle on Wednesday. Uh, I'm very, very excited about what I saw tonight. And I think it was a huge win that we can build off of, more importantly than anything else. We were saying after that Charleston Southern win that Virginia Tech had to come this four-game stretch and go at least three and one for us to feel pretty good about things. And the one that we were thinking they would lose was Carolina. Now you get Dayton at Castle Coliseum. Uh, on Wednesday, you have Oklahoma State a week from today on Sunday, again, at Castle. 
home game against Grambling, which Tech will be an exorbitant favorite in. And then you got ACC play, right? Yep. Um, real quick, the one thing I wanted to – I just clicked in my head. This is the only time Tech plays Carolina in the regular season. Oh. So I didn't realize that. So I didn't Tech, know that. Tech doesn't play Carolina again in the regular wow. season. So cool. Time, Smell you later. <laughs> right. So the next time, so the next next time Tech will play Carolina is potentially in the ACC tournament. Or maybe um, not all. That might be it. That could be. It. I mean, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm good. Yeah. But I don't want to see good on RJ Davis. I'm good on Caleb Love. I'm good yeah. on Baycott. Like, yeah, nice career. See y'all later. Yeah, like we'll watch from afar now. Just yeah. go win as many games as you need to. I didn't um, know that. Wow, that that's that's pretty significant. Yeah, I, I thought so too. So, yeah, so Tech won't be playing Carolina again this year. So one to zero, perfect. Move on. Uh, <laughs> Tech's got Dayton on Wednesday night, Ed, and uh, Dayton's got a decent team. This is a winnable game, though. Dayton's dropped a few games they probably shouldn't have, but Dayton always gives Tech trouble. And I feel like the Hokies getting this game at Castle, I think, is pretty significant. I think Tech's got the better team. Uh, but this is this is a nice little non-conference game, 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. It is. Uh, Darren Holmes is averaging 15 and 7. Uh, very, very good player. You know, they last year we went up and played at Dayton. Um, that was tough. I mean, Mike Young referenced Brutal that game, game in his post game today. He said it was the most cruel. He said it was the you know most ridiculous five point loss he's ever coached in his career. Like it was just a it was a tough game. Sunday uh, afternoon, man. man. Like he, it was on like a Sunday afternoon. Like yeah, and, and Dayton's one of those schools where it's kind of like Butler and Marquette, where it's a basketball school, and like the students showed out for Virginia Tech coming to town. Mm-hmm. And that that environment, I think, punched the Hokies in the mouth last year. Um, and they just couldn't rebound from it. So I think – I don't think anybody that was on the team last year is going to go into Wednesday sleepy. Let's just say that. I think they're right. all they're all well aware of what Dayton and their athletic ability can bring to the table. But, yeah, you referenced that Dayton's had a tough start to the year. They're 5-4 and four with losses to, you know, UNLV, uh, a one-point loss to Wisconsin, who's a solid team, 12-point loss to NC State. Who's, NC State's got talent. You know, I think they're a little bit better than we thought they would be coming into the year. Um, we'll Definitely. talk about them later in the season. And then a four-point loss in overtime to BYU. So, you know, they're no joke. It, they, the Hokies are going to have to be ready. It's going to be somewhat of a similar game to Carolina in the sense that they'll be more athletic than Virginia Tech is. And I think that'll be a theme throughout the year is that there's going to be a lot of teams who are more athletic than Virginia Tech is. Um, but that doesn't really mean anything in college basketball. And Virginia Tech, you know, has to come out with their head on the swivel, and I think they will. They'll be prepared and it should be a good one. I'm halfway debating driving down there Wednesday afternoon for that game. I'm I'm really intrigued by that matchup, so I might make that trip down and watch watch the Hokies play the Flyers. But I'm excited for it. It's a big win. It's a big game and it's a big win if you can get it. I think the Dayton game is bigger than the Oklahoma State game in a week, um, and we could debate the merits of that, Ed. But Tech's got Oklahoma State coming to Castle Coliseum next Sunday at two o'clock and Oklahoma state just played you and I were talking about this before we hit record Oklahoma state just played a UConn team. Shout out to Himalayan. UConn's yeah. a wagon, Ed. They are yeah. good. Capital G good. Um, mm-hmm. And Oklahoma state just lost them by 10 on the road. So tough loss there. Also lost to UCF in overtime by four. So they got a couple, they have one really sketchy loss and then they got, that UConn game, which, you know, didn't go great. And they got one other loss as well. Um, I'm intrigued by this game 
I think this is another winnable one for Virginia Tech, but I think Oklahoma State does pose some issues and they are very athletic, which like you brought up with the Dayton game could prove to be a little bit problematic for Virginia Tech potentially. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Ken Palm right now, and I don't know that it's refreshed for tonight's statistics and whatnot, but Ken Palm at the moment, um, Oklahoma State's one spot ahead of Virginia Tech. Now, Oklahoma State got a one-point loss to Southern Illinois. They lost by four to UCF, uh, and then they lost by 10 to a good UConn team. Um, so, you know, they're no joke. You know, you're playing – and when you play a team like Dayton, and, I, I you know, I already referenced Marquette and, you know, those kind of schools, they're essentially Power 5 schools in terms of basketball. Like, they're right. getting athletes that could go play at Power 5 levels. So these are no jokes. Like, these aren't – this isn't playing Wofford in football, you know, when you play Dayton. You're playing legit teams um with legit players who could play kind of anywhere in the country and oklahoma state's got all that and it'll be a tough game on a neutral court i thought about going i i, I kind of still might <laughs> i can't help myself <laughs> i can't really help myself um don't hit bar no, I, I, won't, I, I won't go to oklahoma state i'm not going to drive to new york i will drive to blacksburg you can yeah. convince me to go to blacksburg and get a sandwich at the cellar after the game but yeah. to get me to drive to new york i gotta have more on the table than just uh just a non-con game. But right. yeah, Dayton and Oklahoma State, man, it's a it, this four-game stretch was one that we had talked about and had kind of circled on the calendar. You know, Minnesota, North Carolina, Dayton, Oklahoma State. That's that's tough. And if you get out of that, you know, we had our eyes set on three and one. We've started off two and oh, you know, shoot for the sky, go four and oh, um, and get through this. And then, you know, you find yourself in a really good position with a with a solid resume coming out of your non-conference schedule. So I, I look forward to both matchups. I think um, they both present similar uh, levels of competition and similar opportunities uh, for, for different reasons. Uh, I think Dayton probably is a – I don't know, actually. I was going to say Dayton's a better team than Oklahoma State, but I think they're probably pretty comparable. Um, they're pretty they're, – it's close. Yeah, it'll be really intriguing because, you know, North Carolina is a team that Mike Young and the Hokies know well, but then that's also the same vice versa. They've got a little experience with Dayton. They don't really have any with Oklahoma State, so it's it's a whole different it's a whole different thing. And uh, I'm really looking forward to both matchups. Uh, that Oklahoma State game, I believe Maryland plays Tennessee right before or after. That's one of those really cool like localized one day tournaments where you buy one ticket and you get to see three games. Uh, so for any New York, New Jersey Hokies, I encourage you to go on down there if you've got the afternoon off and watch some good basketball. Um, but I, I look forward to both games. Uh, I might go to the Dayton game. I, I'm I'm seriously considering that midweek drive down 81. It's a little easier, I think, than going up to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. On a yeah, play. I don't know that it's even any easier because 81 can be can be dangerous. But uh, I agree. You know, at least I at least I know where I'm going in Blacksburg at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, you and I grew up in the same neck of the woods. We both know how that drive down 81 is. Yeah. Um, okay, Virginia Tech non-conference schedule. Feeling pretty good about things, quite honestly, compared to last year. Like this time a year ago, Tech already had a couple yeah. losses where you looked back at the end of the year, you're like, man, wish they didn't lose that game, like the Dayton game, like the Memphis game. Um, there were a few like that that were pretty tough. Yeah. Virginia Tech so far has avoided like the really bad loss. I still think that Charleston loss is going to age okay, um, mm -hmm. just because they shoot the damn lights out. They're a really tough team, and that was pretty much a bona fide road game. Charleston's eight and one. Um, they really haven't been doing much losing. Outside Their one losses to Carolina. Yeah, right, 
right? Um, they've been rolling. They they beat Kent State. They beat Old Dominion by 15, and they beat they kicked the crap out of the Citadel. Um, <laughs> they're going to be fine. Um, the the schedule is they're going to roll through their schedule. There aren't that that many tough games on there. Um, the CAA is Towson's decent, but it's going to be kind of light in terms of competition. Uh, I think for Charleston. So that's going to end up being an okay loss for the Hokies at the end of the day. If you can make it through this two game stretch coming up here, um, obviously beat Grambling on the 17th. That would be a really bad loss if Tech found a way to lose that game. But I think Tech is going to potentially avoid the really, really bad non conference loss this year, which wasn't a luxury last year and left Tech like scratching and clawing through, you know, the, the second portion of January and into February you know, to try to find, you know, conference wins down the stretch to get themselves back in contention. And really, we still weren't sure, you know, it took that ACC title to really know if we were going to get into the field. I mean, even going into a conference championship game, I don't think any of us knew for sure if Tech was going to make the field or not. So I'm feeling a lot better about things uh, as as we kind of come towards the end of non-conference play this year than I did last year. Yeah, me too. I mean, last year's non-con schedule was really hard. Yeah, uh, you, Memphis, you mentioned that Memphis game. You know, they, they played some really tough games last year in the non-conference schedule. And I think one thing about the loss to Charleston is that that's a road game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe I, I'm I'm 95% sure that that counts as a road game. I don't really know how all that stuff works, but right, it was I mean, a neutral I, site tip-off game, but it was at their home arena, so it was like I I thought that I had read tip that it was it would count as a road game regardless right i hope i'm right and that should be the case because it was literally in their arena and their students were there drinking beer and having a good old time and it was a it was a true road environment um so if i'm right about that and it was a true road game that's a big deal you know two point loss on the road to a team that i think is going to have a really good year in their conference you know no harm no foul whatever so, yeah, I, I agree. You know, Virginia Tech, you know, you take care of business Wednesday and, and then uh, again on Sunday against Oklahoma State, and you find yourself in a very, very good position heading into ACC play. And quite frankly, if you beat those, both those teams, you're probably playing pretty good ball too. Right. So, you know, that's a bigger part of it, not just the resume piece. You're probably playing good ball heading into, you know, getting ready for that conference schedule. So um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's a big week for Virginia Tech, obviously. And then you go to you know your first ACC game outside of this you know random North Carolina game is Boston, at Boston College and then at Wake Forest. I think if you play well against Dayton and Oklahoma State and you handle those games, you feel pretty good heading into Boston College and Wake Forest. So I, I'm I'm very pleased with how the Hokies played through this point of the season. Um, the North Carolina game made me feel a lot better because I just because it was not that we played amazing. But we looked like Virginia Tech, and we looked like Mike Young's offense, and we looked like all the things we hang our hat on. Right, um, and I think that's really important as you as you move into this this tougher stretch, this tough final stretch of the non conference schedule. So, with that, we don't need to talk about this anymore. We can move on to the future. But before we do that, I Billy Ray and I started a new segment that I think is going to evolve into something that is very very enjoyable moving forward. I'm wearing the we got cold drinks. Waiting hat. That's kind of the OG of the Mike Young quote of the week. But this week, I just finished watching the presser after the North Carolina game and the Mike Young quote of the week. And I quote, 
And then the kid from the sprawling metropolis of Clover, South Carolina, bangs two foul shots. Mike, who is he talking about in that quote? MJ Collins. MJ Collins, dude. The coming out party of MJ Collins. MJ, the coming out party against North Carolina, sponsored by no other than MJ himself. What an awesome night for MJ Collins. Uh, that was, as usual, you know, Mike Young's extremely quotable, so that was a good one in the press game, in the post game. But uh, MJ Collins, eight points, like we talked about, eight rebounds, five of them offensive, huge dunk on Leaky Black. Uh, it was kind of funny to watch a true freshman dunk on Leaky Black and then Leaky Black just kind of laugh at him afterwards, like, all right, kid. Uh, that was kind of a cool little moment, but that's an awesome quote from Mike Young, awesome game from MJ. I look forward to more of those games coming from him. Um, and a huge night for Virginia Tech basketball in general across the board. You know, I uh, at one point I had dual TVs up. I had the Virginia Tech women on one and the Virginia Tech men on the other. And speaking of those women, they go down to Tennessee and beat, I don't know, Mike, you tell me, the most historic program in women's basketball? Outside of UConn, probably. It has to be, right? I mean, they go down to yeah. Tennessee, um, Tennessee team that is not at their – you know, at their peak of where they've been as a program for sure. But regardless, it's still Tennessee at Tennessee uh, in a huge game. And Virginia Tech wins by three. Kayana Trailer played phenomenal at 18 points after missing uh, the game earlier in the week that Georgia Amore had a triple-double. Oh, and speaking of Georgia Amore, she just had another calm, cool 10-7. and seven, uh, Tune into the Queens of the Castle this week. I'm sure that that'll be a really fun episode after the week that she's had. But uh, the women's team got kind of crushed on the boards, which was surprising. They got out-rebounded, but they shot the ball better. Uh, Kayla King yep. had a really good game. Trailer had a really good game. Amor with her 10-7. and seven. Liz Kitley struggled. Um, Tennessee had some really big size on their women's team, and it gave Liz some troubles, but it's nothing that she won't work around moving forward. So huge win for uh, all of Han Hurst. The, the men beat Carolina, and the women beat Tennessee. I mean, Whip Babcock's got to be smiling right now. Yeah. Now we're just trying to get the football team to not go – you know, <laughs> why you gotta do, why you gotta do that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> once we get that going, he'll be really smiling. Um, Tennessee was missing. Moving on, Tennessee was missing. Uh, Rakea Jackson, their top scorer in this game, she did not play. That that was pretty significant because in a game the Tech won by three, Tennessee was without their leading scorer. With that said, like we said about the Carolina missing Armando Baycott, you can't take anything away from the women's team. They're ninth in the country for a reason. They're really freaking good. And Liz Kitley didn't have her best game, and Tech still found a way to win. So, yeah, um, yeah. shout Keanu Trailer, 18 points, 7-11 from the floor. That was huge. Um, Georgia Amore was 2-14, of 14, but still had 10 points and 7 assists. So, uh, they just keep rolling. And, I mean, they're 8-0 they're now. Um, this is the best women's team on paper in school history. So, let's keep that rolling. Dude, like I said with MJ Collins, if the Georgia Amor fan club is one person, it's me. Watching her play point guard is a joy. Yeah, that girl, that girl is phenomenal. I, I love watching her play basketball. She is so selfless, plays so hard, so much energy, and she's kind of the engine that keeps that train rolling. And they, they're going to keep rolling. I'm, I've loved watching the women's team and what Kenny Brooks has going on. Yep. Yeah, they're going to keep it going. Um. Yeah, I mean, we said this off the top, but, I mean, just keep an eye on both the men's and the women's team this year. The women's team, they got Boston College on the road here um, on Wednesday, UNC Asheville next Sunday, 
and then a week from Sunday, they play Notre Dame in Castle. Notre Dame just beat UConn today. Um, Notre Dame's women's team is back to being kind of what you'd expect them to be, like a top five to ten program in the country. They've had yeah. a couple kind of iffy years since winning the title a few years back. Um, Muffin McGraw retires. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're coming back around with Neil Ivy um, as, as their coach. And they have a really good team this year. So that's going to be a huge game in Castle here in about a week and a half. So here's a, here's a question for you. Will the Virginia Tech women be rated higher than the UConn women this week? I mean, oh, that's tough. UConn was what, third? Third. They were third, right, before losing to Notre Dame? I feel I like know. it's a situation where, like, Virginia Tech might jump to six and UConn might fall to five, but maybe it's yeah. the other way around. Maybe, maybe Virginia Tech goes to five and the women, yeah. and UConn goes to six. I, I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but that would have to be a program first, right? Virginia Tech ranked higher than Gino Ariema and UConn. I know. I know. That would be something to look, keep an eye on this week. It would be something. I mean, and Notre Dame won that game pretty convincingly. I know it was a three versus seven. Won, yeah, they won every quarter. They've won yeah. every single quarter. They won by 14. Yeah, yeah one by 14. So, yeah, t- tough, tough look for UConn there. Um, That's going to be interesting. That would be cool. <laughs> big game, big game coming up here in a week and a half. Wow, yeah, dude. Actually, you know, this is, you know, this is all coming in live here, but I just clicked on UConn and Notre Dame. As he fud, zero points. She was the number one player in the country yeah. um, a couple of years ago as, as a women's recruit going to UConn. She had zero tonight against Notre Dame. Maybe I'll have to drive down to Blacksburg for that Virginia Tech-Notre Dame game. That might be I, say, I think you're, that might be I worth think you're braving. just scheduling trips on the fly here. Dude, that might be worth braving 81 for. <laughs> yeah. Former uh, former Hokies point guard, Darren Mabry, had 10 points, too, in that game against UConn. So that, we're really down a rabbit hole now. That might, yeah, we are going down a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. that'd be worth driving down 81 for. That's all I'm saying. But all and in all, phenomenal we, day for Hanhurst. Phenomenal day for, for Virginia Tech basketball. Um, we will probably, Mike, jump on after Oklahoma State, I'm assuming, a week from today. Yeah, I think uh, that makes a lot of sense. We'll have two more games of data. We'll be talking about the Grambling game that will be upcoming. But for all intents and purposes, uh, non-conference schedule will be over. So uh, we'll definitely get into that here in about a week. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's It's been a really fun, really fun day, really fun week for Virginia Tech basketball. And uh, if, 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 we're this hap- if we're this happy a week from today, it means good things are coming for both programs. Thousand percent, man. Ed, we'll talk next week. Go Hokies. It's time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. And all that she said is, Oh, I know what you're thinking.